Hey guys, Kristen here with a content warning for this week's show. We are going to be discussing some mental health issues, including some recent suicides and everything else that has been in the news. If this is going to affect you, then I suggest um, turning off this episode and listening to some of our back episodes, um, maybe the Allie Edwards episode, which is an awesome one, or some of our other favorites. Welcome to the Crafty Ass Female Podcast, an audio show that talks about the resourceful ways we women are living our lives and the crafty projects we create in between. We are your hosts, Amanda Zampelli and Kristen Tweedell, and we believe you are a capable badass who already has all the tools you need to make beautiful things and make beautiful things happen. We're just here to remind you. Hey, Amanda. Hey, Kristen. How are you? Doing good. Kind of sad that this episode feels needed, I guess. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, I mean, because this is one of those episodes where a few have in the past have been where we're like, oh, either this happened or this is coming up. An episode here would make sense. And that happened after the week where we got on to record something. And we referenced Kate Spade, and I believe that same day or the day after, you know, we heard it was that, that morning. Bourdain. It was the same morning, right? So we were just like, gosh, gosh, right? Like, I mean, I don't feel the fact that it was two majorly successful creative people, creative and admirable people in one week. Like, what is happening? People <laughs> who so, looked like they had it all together. Right. And... We realized almost 10 episodes, almost, yeah, almost 10 episodes ago, um, we did a mental health episode and we kind of feel like this is a mental health revisited episode, right? Where we're kind of revisiting a lot of the same topics, but in a whole new kind of light and perspective based on the recent tragedies that were in the news. Yeah. And everyone's talking about them. It's not a one day story. It's not, you know, just, you know. These people were awesome. We miss them. It's, right. And especially with Anthony Bourdain. Right. Everyone has an Anthony Bourdain story. Yeah. That's that's a good way to put it. I, I, I agree. And uh, we'll share a lot of these links. I'll make sure to get them over to Amanda so we can ch- put them in the in the show notes for this episode. Yeah. The Vulture had a lot of, uh, Vulture.com had mm-hmm. a lot of great uh, links about people who wrote ways uh, in which Anthony Bourdain touch touch their lives. Mm. But what we want to talk about today is how you know mental health we talked about last uh, in our in our last episode mental health is an inward battle that we all whether or not you have uh, your own mental illness you know someone who has a mental illness it's it's an it's an inward battle that we're fighting but it has so many consequences yeah. And it, 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 it reverberates on us. I just feel like so much came up for me. And when I heard about Kate Spade, like a lot of, and I think me trying to channel stuff for my haiku poems as well, kind of also egged it on. Like I'm doing this daily channeling of like, what do I feel? What do I want to get out? Right. And funnily, like I, I wrote a poem on the day that, it hit the news that she had committed suicide. And then when I read the poem back just from hours earlier, cause I wrote it and posted it before I heard. And then when I read it back, 
it was like with new eyes. And then I had a different insight about what I wrote. So like just it, and, and again, I knew of Kate Spade, but I don't own any of her things. I wasn't a Kate Spade fan per se, but I think what's hitting so hard for me is again, like you said, how successful, at least on the outside, these people were like, I feel like both of them kind of lived the dream have everything we talk about in the show, hone, you know, channeled their creativity in a way that kicked back to them and acknowledged them and allowed them to keep creating and also f- tapped into their thing. Like all this good stuff that we talk about achieving, these people outwardly achieved, plus they had families, plus they had children. And to still make a decision like the decision that they did is like, it it blows my mind. But as a, you know, in our last mental health episode, as two people that have outwardly expressed suffering with mental illness and a degree of anxiety and depression, we can understand it to some level. Like it, it hits you in a way as a person who has suffered with a degree of mental illness that this is going on still. And to two people who seemingly had it together, which is the biggest, I think. So it just, uh, the point is it just, it brought a lot up and I want it, I wanted a venue to be able to talk about it. Cause I feel like maybe a lot of, it brought up a lot of the same things in other people. So I think we did need to revisit this topic. It's just inevitable. Yeah, I think it definitely brought up a lot of the same things in a lot of people. And I think that this, you know, it's not, it it, it goes so much further than Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain. And this is, um, I'm, I'm glad that a, a lot of the articles that I was reading over the weekend, um, Vox.com in particular, made sure to point out that this is an American epidemic. You know, this is not just something that is happening to to famous people this is not just something that's happening you know oh God, no. here and there this is something that's happening to us this is a thing that's happening to our people this is something that's happening to our neighbors this is something that's happening to our friends this is something that's happening to to us as 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 americans um and if if you're listening to this show outside of the united states um you know this is this is something that's happening to our friends and our family, this is, and and as as someone who's gone through, you know, multiple times in in her life, who, when I've I've thought about committing suicide, when I've thought about, you know, desperately wanting to die, um, this is about you know, me and and wanting right. to to find ways to get through that. Right. And, and talking talking about that publicly and, and saying like, hey, um, I'm a person who goes through this struggle. So, you know, when you go on my Instagram, when you when you look at my life, when you say like, hey, Kristen looks like she's got it all together. Yeah, I guess. Like, I guess is that what I post on Instagram? I, I, I don't know. Um, but this is something that, in order to defeat this. In order to, you know, not wake up in the morning and grab our phones and be like, wow, this creative person whose work I love, whose whose stories I admire, who's my friend, you know, anything, in order in order to defeat this this epidemic, we need to come together. We need to help each other, we need to support each other, and we need to, to talk, we need to have dialogue, we need to have words yeah. that that can help us through this. 
I agree. And I like what you said when you said, you know, it's more than Anthony Bourdain. It's more than Kate Spade. It's, it's me and it's us. Like, I, I, I feel like that's where it hits because I feel like these two people who are public figures who, again, seem like they have it all together, whoever does this and seems like they have it all together, that seems to be a common thing, too, where a lot of people didn't know that it was coming, right? There is no outward expression of I'm struggling because the struggler keeps it all inside. So I feel like a lot of people say that. I didn't see this coming. You know, there's there might be, you know, history of depression or history, but no one ever thinks it's going to get to that level I think and I think that's where it hit for me because when it gets to that level when you have two people that have such success that they could basically any creative thing they come up with can be done because people know them and they've done it and they have the power to and they have families and young children like to make a decision to abandon your young children and to abandon all this creative potential that you could bring to the world like like why 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 like what how low worry like so that's what I worry about is that I I fear that could be me or knowing that I've struggled with mental illness like what would ever push me to that point because I think getting to the creative level that both of them are at is a big dream and getting to have a family and children for me is the dream so you know I I think if you know, I've struggled with mental illness, but some part of me always feels, and I, we talked about this with Erica, where I feel somewhere in my head, I think I think like, if I achieve, once I achieve that creativity, all my anxiety will go away. Like, that's what's holding me. That's why I'm so anxious, because I'm still not there. Like, again, how we talked about like my, um, Marie Andrew's book, like, am I there yet? Like, there's this fictional there in my brain and a lot of our brains that we think we need to reach in order to be rid of mental illness or rid of fear or anything that's bogged us down in the past. But I'm learning and I, I, I feel this from the aftermath of the tragic deaths of those two is that I don't think that you ever reach a point where there you are rid of anxiety. No person you're with, no life situation, it, it, there's no there. If you struggle, you struggle sometimes, you know, so I, that's, where I, that's where I think it really hit me is because like it could be me and it could be my friends and it could be us who struggle with mental illness because if it's untreated, if it's untalked about, if it's left to kind of work itself out, I think this is the danger of where it could escalate. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that this is um, the one thing we talked about a lot in our previous um, episode, our previous mental health episode, was that this is a mantle our generation needs to pick up Mm -hmm. because the boomer generation, our parents' Mm -hmm. generation, has failed at this. Um, And they don't talk about things. They don't go to therapy. They don't take care of their mental illnesses Mm -hmm. um and well like we're we're seeing the ramifications of that and it hurts us yeah and and that's not fair and so we need to take preventative measures like we need to do the things that can help and there are things that can help but it's hard work like yeah. if you um if you break your leg and then you want to fix your leg you need to go to physical therapy 
in order to get your leg to go back to running again. Like, you know, if you, if you're a football player and you tear your ACL, you have to go through all sorts of, you know, rehabilitation therapy in order to get back running again. It doesn't just happen on its own. And so if if you're depressed or if you have um, a mental illness and you need to rehabilitate yourself, it's, it's work. It doesn't just happen. And I feel like we're so primitive in, we're at such a primitive age of knowing how to treat it. Because like you said, break a broken leg and you go to therapy and so people can x-ray a leg, people can take blood pressure, like all the physical symptoms of physical illnesses make it easier to treat. So you have to be aware that, you know, injuries of the brain and the soul don't have x-rays and you don't have casts like we talked about um there's nothing outwardly showing anyone that you are hurting so it's just the you know i just feel like your self-awareness has to be 10 times greater than anyone else you have to have courage 10 times greater than anyone else to even ask for help when you become self-aware of it like i feel there's a lot of things at play that the mental illness almost tries to attack like the mental illness tries to attack your courage and tries to attack your confidence and your your well-being so how could you then call upon your courage and confidence and well-being to help yourself so yes i think this is a conversation not only for people that suffer but also for people who are friends and family of those who suffer so that you can be a better you know, pinpointer of it. And I think part of the problem too is, you know, social media is the blanket on top of all of this that makes us, you know, makes it harder and darker to kind of navigate our way because social media makes us feel like we're all connected when we're not really connecting. And I think as the person who needs to be connected with the ones you love in order to understand when they're suffering, because they will hide it and it will be a secret, you know? So, we're losing that connection with the ones close to us, which is what's essential in helping pinpoint when they need help. So I think that's part of it too. I think social media, social media's involvement adds to the, to making it harder to really connect and, and know when someone is truly suffering. Yeah. I think there are a lot of very specific things that people can do as friends and family. I think that's a really good point that you bring up. Um, because I know a lot of uh, a lot of people can just you know sit back on the sidelines and say I, I I don't know what to do I want to do something right but what you know what can I do for my friend or right. you know my family member what is it that I can do um, and a lot of the articles say you know be there just right. reach out and that's great you know you can be there you can reach out um, but there are tangible things that you can do too. Um, Help someone find a therapist. Yeah. Like, that's the hard... One of the hardest things for someone is to find an actual therapist. Because the legwork of finding a therapist can be brutal. That is a great one. brutal. That is a great one. Because Um, not only does it help them in actually finding someone that could help, it helps them in understanding you're there supporting this choice of seeing a therapist. Yes. And like... (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes it can be so daunting, like, yeah, you know, what does my insurance cover? Like, right. what doesn't my insurance cover? And then, like, just going and doing that on, like, whether it's a website, whether it's a catalog, whether it's a telephone, that can be too much for someone. And so, yeah. like, taking on that burden is so helpful. 
Yeah. Um, and the idea of going to therapy in my mind before I went to therapist was like, well, the, and this is my anxiety talking, which is why I need a therapist. But I remember acutely feeling like, well, this is the end. This is definitely going to be the end of me. This guy, this person's going to tell me something that's going to make something happen and catastrophize my life and goodbye, everybody. I'm crazy. And like, like literally that's what I felt going to therapy meant that it was the last resort because you are over the edge and there's no coming back. Like the way that I, I literally tell everyone, I'm like, Oh, you had that silly little thing happen at the grocery store that really hurt your feelings. And I said, you should see it. Like I just make it like it's telling someone to like go to Starbucks and get a coffee. Like I, to me, taking the edge off people's insecurities and, and fears about just therapy in general is the least I can do for people. Yeah. <laughs> because that's what I think. I think everyone should go to a therapist, just like everyone should go to the dentist. Like, I really right. believe everyone like, should like, get a pap smear. Correct. Correct. Okay. Like, it's not a big deal. And it's just talking, but it's talking with someone who has a background in what it could actually be that's hurting you, soul and brain. Like, there's a, like, go? <laughs> okay. And if you, if you don't, if you, if you want to consider yourself like an ally and you want to help people, but you, you know, if you, if you don't have mental illness yourself or you, you, you know, you used to suffer from mental illness and like, you want to really contribute to this, this epidemic here, um, fight for affordable health care. Yes. A lot of people who need to go to therapy cannot afford to go to therapy. So call up your congressperson, call up your senator and say, affordable health care, make mental health care affordable. Yeah. Everyone who needs to be able to see a therapist should be able to see a therapist. This okay. is, this is a public health crisis. Mm-hmm. And I'm not being dramatic when I say that. Right. Um, You know, okay, so, like, we talked about the CDC before. So, more than half of the people committing suicide in this country are middle-aged white men with no prior mental health issues. (laughs) People with no prior mental health issues don't just go and kill themselves. Right. So... With we no evidence of private exactly of, we of need health, we right. need better mental health care in this country mm-hmm. and we need it to be affordable and we need there to be no stigma around going and getting mental health care because look what it's hap- look what's creating right this is this isn't okay and and we need to stop waking up to to the news of our friends and our family and our loved ones not being here with us anymore and taking other people with them that's and and um that's that comes to the second point of uh one of the other ways that developing countries have reduced their suicide rates is through gun control um and so that's another way that we can reduce the suicide rates here in the united states is through gun control um, if you don't have access to a gun in your house, then it's, you know, it's it's a lot harder to use that gun to hurt yourself or others. One of the other really cool options for therapy that has been coming up is uh, 
internet therapy and talk and text therapy. Mm. And um, if you are super anxious about going to therapy in person, or if you live remotely, or if you move around for your job a lot, then this can be a really great option for you. Um, two of the options that I have seen and have been advertised to me and I've looked into are better help and talk space. So um, if that seems like it might be a better option for you, then that's definitely something to look into. Are they affordable? I think they are as affordable as regular therapy. Okay. If, especially if your insurance does not cover uh-huh. as much therapy as... Uh, there was a lot of therapists in my network that surprised like I thought it would be harder to find and research someone I did go to one that was really bad but after the second session I knew I wouldn't go back and it wasn't costing me any money because he was in my network you know what I mean like totally I had yeah so I feel like using therapists within your network don't think of them as like a bargain therapy you know you're still gonna find ones you like and ones you don't right I mean they're getting paid a good amount of money and it works for them and when they're in your network like it just makes the paperwork a lot easier um the one thing that i found with my therapists is my therapist works at a therapy group so there are a lot of therapists there are a few um psychiatrists to prescribe Mm -hmm. medicine at the group but there are 30 or so people working in the therapy group right so it makes it really easy to have them move around so if you don't Mm. work out well with this therapist then they can recommend another therapist one of the major points that came up from Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain anyway for me was that I've been thinking a lot about being in this place of anxiety where I've been the past few months and feeling with summer coming and and you know reevaluating kind of my work path and what I want, might want to try and just reevaluating a lot of things feeling stronger now and then thinking back and go, and trying to make sense of the suffering, right? Trying to make sense of the anxiety and what was that and, and talking with my therapist about it. And a lot of my, right before um, I heard about Kate Spade and then Anthony Bourdain, like right before that, I was trying to like come to the conclusion and the lesson, I guess, which is part of the danger because sometimes there's no lesson, right? And then you're, the anxiety makes you mull and makes the gears turn in your mind. Well, what was that problem solve this? You know, you're capable, you're a resourceful woman, like get to the bottom of this so that it'll never happen again type thinking. And I think the lesson that I was trying to extract was suffering will work for your greater good, right? Pain is part of life. Grief is part of life. And I was trying to get to the conclusion of, you know, it will pass, I guess, that dangerous, you know, what, how Mari kind of said is like, just trust in the grief and the suffering and it will get you to this point of a higher understanding, you know, it's working for your good. And literally a few hours after I posted that, I found out about Kate Spade and it just, I, it like bounced me back into my body with a new perspective. And I feel like less, less naively, I was thinking about the same kind of um, notion. And I just think sometimes with mental illness, the pain and the grief and the suffering are just too much and it just goes on for too long and like in my cases I get periods of relief like I mentioned like you know years not feeling anxious and then it'll come back tenfold and this has been 
on repeat, on repeat in my life since I was about 15, like in my early teens. Like this has been 20 years of feeling relief. Oh, it's gone. Oh, good. I got a handle to boom. Now it's back. Here we go. You're suffering. You're in pain. Like you don't understand this. You can't get up. Like, so it's came in waves and it makes me think like, what if it came in a wave for these two people and it just lasted too long and they couldn't go through another bout of it. Like, I just feel like, and that that's what mental illness is. And that's when mental illness reoccurs and it catches you blindsided. And I feel like the world is desperately screaming out for medical attention, like as soon as possible, like the same way I use this analogy of like, you see on like health sitcoms where the nurses are rushing to the, you know, wheeled in patient that's bleeding out. Like that's the image you need to have when these waves hit you. Like that is the emergency, that attention that it needs, you know? Yeah. Um, I've been thinking ever since the suicides, right? My brain's just been super active. I've been trying to get to the core of like, oh God, why, why, why would someone do this? And like, why, like, how can I prevent it? Like, why would I ever get to that point? Right. And I, I came to the conclusion when I was in sixth grade, the movie Selena came out or seventh grade, it was like 1997 and Jennifer Lopez played her. I was not from a Hispanic family because I, as far as I understand, Hispanic families have known about Selena since the dawn of time. Like since she was Selena, like I have a story where my grandma in her three story, like, um, apartment in Queens, a house in Queens, she used to rent out that top floor and, the Hispanic tenant on the top floor the day that Selena died came running to us, Selena, Selena, like crying to my grandma. My grandma was like, who died? Who was it? Like my grandma thought it was like her family member because she was like physically. Yeah, because it was their hero. So here I am, a sixth grade girl, very impressionable and all that, came across the movie. And that was at the time where my family had pay-per-view. So the movie would loop for like two weeks at a time. And I was glued to this movie and I wanted to be Selena and Jennifer Lopez, like so bad. I had all the girls like for my birthday that year, like come over and like watch the movie. And I had to like, like, I was like a horrible friend. I like subjected them to this and they were like, can we do something else? I'm like, no, watch it. We're watching. Like I was just obsessed. Like that is not even the word. And I think the damage that 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 did years later is that it, it kind of showed me like who I wanted to be or how I wanted to be and this persona I wanted to take on of giggly, smiley, happy in your element, inspiring. Like it, it, it impeded this persona that I think I've for so long in my life tried to keep and like maintain, right? Since sixth grade that I always felt that if I wasn't like that, I wouldn't have friends or I wouldn't be accepted or I wouldn't be admired. or I wouldn't be optimal best version of myself and, and inspiring people. And, and then what insidiously happened is I then adopted, then I understood that version of myself as the only way I could be. And I just feel like I still love Selena. And now that I know more about her, the actual person, like every time you see her, she's this like shining light and then tragically her, she lost her life so young so we never really she was never portrayed in any other way so we only picture her as that epitome of whatever but I've only realized now that that trying to upkeep that level and that persona 
is what I think has caused a lot of my anxiety. And then you think like you, the job or the guy or this has made me so happy and look, oh, now I'm better and I can be that person. And, and once you realize that that's not upkeeping it either. So I, I just, you know, I, I love Selena, so I don't want to relate a negative thing to her, but I think that's just how I filtered it negatively. Yeah. And I think that's what's happening. I think that you know, let's put social media back into the equation. That's what everyone's trying to do. And I, one of my most recent haikus that was really an epiphany for me, and we've talked about it in last week's episode, where you can be sad and be inspirational too. And I think that's where it's tipping. And I think that's where we need to tip the conversation is to, you can be mentally ill and be inspirational too. You can be sad and be inspirational. I know, your little post-it. That's, but it was my biggest takeaway of that conversation. I think it's one of my favorite haikus, even though um, it wasn't as liked as some of the others, but unhinge the smile. There's no need to be a giggly, bubbly, outgoing person or tell yourself, be happy, be happy, be happy, be happy, like, or even choose joy, right? I loved Nita's whole episode on that, and I do believe in that. But I, I think if you decide not to choose joy, you're still going to be inspirational and okay. Or if you physically, literally can't choose joy in the moment, talk about that because there's someone also who can't. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <sighs> Let me catch my breath. <laughs> yeah, we need people to be choosing all sorts of different things, whatever is yep. authentic for them at the time. Mm-hmm. And. Yep. Yeah. And that's what authentic storytelling is about. Yep. And I think like I think that's the thing that uh resonated with everyone and Anthony Bourdain so much is that he mm-hmm. went into all of these different places and he said, Tell me your story. Tell mm-hmm. me your story of your food, you know, feed me your story. Mm-hmm. Whether it was, you know these places in countries that other people would never visit. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my favorite my favorite article that I read over the weekend was Anthony Bourdain is the best white man. It was on <laughs> Vulture, and it was so wonderful. I agree. Um, and then one of my others was, you know, Anthony Bourdain, uh, yes, I'm a fucking feminist. Um, uh. And I think that it's, you know, the one thing I completely forgot up until... Uh, for the first two days is that he had been dating Asia Argento who is the woman who had been raped by Harvey Weinstein mm. and to stand by her side and say you know this is this is my person I believe her um, and and stand with women and that's that's a huge loss it's a huge yeah. loss for women yep. and and it sucks. And it sucks mm-hmm. that we keep losing people that we love. And it sucks that we keep losing people that have fought really hard battles. And so I know we are all fighting really hard battles. And so I want us to fight them a little bit more together instead of think that we have to fight them alone. And, you yeah. know, I know like a lot of the advice that everyone has been giving on on Instagram and um, well, mostly on Instagram because that's all I've been seeing is you know I care you know if you are alone reach out um, you know and I I hate to be the bearer of like bad news but like 
if someone's sad, they're not going to reach out to you. Um, they already feel like they're a burden to the entire mm. world. Yes. Don't just say reach out because... Right. The, you know, the knock-knock products? There's yes. a lot of like, yeah. Though I think, I don't know if she's CEO or what she is, but at Jen Billick on Instagram, she recently put, this was her quote based on that and it's the exact same thing she's what she said on instagram i'm gonna link to it in the show notes but she said while i understand the motivation behind continuing to quote suicide helpline phone numbers right and obviously the utility in that and how that could be useful she goes severe people with severe depression do not reach out because they made up their minds to take their lives before they've done it and they don't say anything because they don't want to be stopped because they feel friends and other people can't touch the internal severity of what's going on and that's like I was like yeah so she's like that's why it's so important so she says for the people who are on the outside who's saying like help 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 she says it's so important to look for symptoms in those you love and even start screening for depression and other mental illness at physical checkups so again just making that this like emergent like the world needs to give this emergency attention. Like it needs to be brought into places where it isn't before. And we need to train people on what to look for and, and how to ask and how to connect. Like, because we're so fucking connected, but we're not connecting like at all. Like we're, we're glazing over our friends. We're glazing over our family. It's just like, whatever. But so that's what, so she ended it saying, um, because people who are depressed, it can be so vital to begin aggressive treatment immediately, which is what we were saying. We don't let the episode ride out because you need, as soon as you feel the twinge of it, it should be, oh God, I'm struggling. Like, what is the big, and, and I think it, when I think about Anthony Bourdain, I think about Kate Spade and, and where they got, I, I, the only conclusion I can come up to, because the only way I can identify is again, like feeling like that persona, the persona that you're supposed to take on and it sounds like such a naive, like ignorant thing, but when you've based all of your actions and, and successes or fails on this persona, like, I feel like that's the danger. Like, I, I, we just need to be more open with every feeling and every emotional experience and human experience in existence, like, and be okay with the struggle of it. And that if it's too hard, like... I, I don't know. So I just liked her quote. I liked in relating it to they won't reach out. And a lot of what we said, and, and this is a great segue to making sure you listen to Erica's after chatter. We talked about such good mental health things in Erica's after chatter, I thought, just about how like she struggled with it. And, and one of the main symptoms is when you've when people expect you to be the life of the party and that Selena X S persona and that inspirational positive person, when you're not feeling that way and you're in the throes of one of these mental health episodes, you don't want to be around people because you feel like you're not going to live up to their expectation. And like, even yeah. if you have loved ones and you have all these great connections and blessings, you, like you're saying, feel like the burden because you're not going to be able to get it up to what they're used to you getting it up. And we have to understand as a, culture that that's okay to say I can't get it up for you today or I'm not feeling like myself or that person that you know but I am myself I'm still myself in this sad sad time like yeah and I still want to come and like go to your party for like an yes. hour but like yes this is how I'm gonna show up for you today mm -hmm. and this mm -hmm. is me showing up and if you like this is it this is me and we need, you know, even if you don't have a mental illness or you're not 
there today, but you know someone is, we need to say, that's okay. You're struggling. Okay. What can, you know, do you want to drink? Do you want, like, I feel like the conver- the, the back conversation is, is, is so crucial, right? It's so crucial because I've had friends and old ladies up the hall and like my mother, like make it worse. Like yeah. with, with, again, like you've said before, relax, which is putting fire, which is putting, you know, lighting fluid to the flame, right? Or like, relax or you know why don't you try this or like you don't you know suggesting things sometimes is not the right thing and telling people to relax and reminding them that time is running out or like I don't know anything that you have to be non-judgmental and just empathetic in your absolutely if you want to help somebody then like learn how to help somebody instead of just thinking that you know all of the answers because in truth, I think, which is, I think my original point when I was talking about all that struggling is that everyone has a struggle. I went out um, a little while ago with my boyfriend's brother's wife. We were all together going out to dinner and me and her went to the bar and just got a drink and talked for like 30 minutes. And we lead very different lives. She's married. She has two young boys. I'm not married and I don't have children, you know, and, but in talking to her, I was like, it's fucking hard to be an adult woman. Like, and she's, and then we talked a little bit about the podcast, you know, whatever, but like, she was almost trying to say, you know, I have these kids, but it's okay. And did it, but I was trying to let her know, like, no, I know it's fucking hard. Like, it must be fucking hard. Like, let's talk about how hard it is. Like, I'm here. I'm here to listen. Like, I wasn't putting, you know, any judgment on her. And she wasn't putting any judgment on me, me not having kids and still feeling like it's hard. Like, that's more of the conversation I think we need to have with each other. Like, just acknowledging how difficult time is now and being an adult is now. And whatever you're feeling, you're well grounded in it you know yeah. I just think that that's how we need to talk to everyone <laughs> with respect yep I, yeah. yeah like why the fuck aren't we doing that why aren't we doing that dude <laughs> and compassion and real listening real listening I think yeah. it only and the thing is is that I think it comes down to we don't have time isn't that sad yeah it's, but we have time to like Happy birthday on Facebook, you real fast, because we're, oh, we're connected. We're totally connected. Well, and Facebook I'm makes it you... so easy. Facebook's like, yeah. well, if you don't do this, you're a bad friend. Right. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't want to be a bad friend, so I'm going to make sure that I say <laughs> happy birthday on Facebook <laughs> to every single person that I don't talk to for the last 10 years, except to say happy birthday on Facebook to them. Correct. Correct. Yeah. And I think that's how the social media plays in because last week on our episode, you were saying something like how we talked about the danger of the data release was something like, like, you know, we were talking about worst case scenario. Well, worst case scenario is, you know, we mentioned on that episode where you could be, you could have left an abusive relationship and then put out where you are and posted something, you know, and then your abuser will know where you are and where to access you. And God, that's so dangerous. But when I listened back to that episode, I was like, but God, the real danger is the fact that you feel that you need to post something yes. about where you like, you know what I mean? Like, or even you mentioned too, like, oh, you had a sick day and then you posted something and your boss found it. Why would you need to feel that you had to post something on the day? Like, I think it's the addiction and the need to feel like we need to post or connect to say happy birthday to the acquaintance we met once at that party. And it like, why is that top of our list? And why do we feel like, I feel like that just 
muddles up all the mental illness and anxiety and need to posture and need to connect or think we're connecting, but we're not really connecting. And then we're losing sight of, wait, how do we connect with another human and make sure that they're heard and okay? Like it's muddling all of it up. It's making it a lot messier and thus harder to navigate adulthood, which is a mess in and of itself. I think that's a really good point. How do we really connect? Yeah. Because that's the only antidote to, it's like the main antidote to all this sadness, all this sadness, I think. Yeah, I think that's true. There's a lot of sadness going on, a lot of uncertainty. And to go back to, to, to Mari's book of like, you know, you know, am I there yet? The first chapter is battling uncertainty. Yep. Was it battling? What is the, what is the first chapter? Overcoming uncertainty. Overcoming uncertainty. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if that's the first chapter on your way to adulthood, yep. is anyone ever actually really an adult? And, like, can you ever actually really take care of yourself? And, like, we need to band together and help everybody take care of helping, you know, help everybody take care of everyone else. Yeah. Because taking care of yourself is more than a full-time job. Yeah. And everyone needs a little help taking care of certain parts of themselves. Yeah. And for some of us, it's a lot harder to take care of yourself, especially when the inside of you is fighting against itself. Yes, the inside of you is fighting against itself. One of my poems and how I relate when my anxiety is at its peak is, um, I think it said, my mind makes doubt creep in and erode who who I know I am and who I can be. So... I think of it as like mind monsters. It's like piling on top of each other. Like we've mentioned in the mental health episode, like an autoimmune disease. Like again, that tsunami, how do you combat that with just outthinking it? Or how do you combat that with like buying a car? Like there's no combating that that isn't emergency medical assistance like or a team of unwavering emotional support like I think those two things you know I do feel medication does help especially when it's a physical thing in the brain but medication to me um, is a tricky subject I, I think it needs to happen with the other two you know with the unwavering emotional support and with the like medical attention and the right doctor well I think there's a good um there's a using the tsunami as a really good metaphor with medicine mm-hmm. Because, like, if you have depression and you're prone to dipping with lows, yeah. like, the, the medicine is only going to help so much. Right. Level it out a little bit. Right. And so you're still going to dip. Right. And when you need to know what to do, you need to still have coping techniques for when your dip goes below what the medicine right. is going to help you with. Right. And so, like... Um, things that you do when you're depressed. You stay in bed all day. You don't get any extra sunlight. You eat junk food. You, you know, uh, choose not to be intimate. You do all these things that um, suppress your natural endorphins. Right. If you continue to do all those things that suppress your natural endorphins, the medicine isn't going to help you enough to get you out of those dips. Right. So you need to be able to help yourself. You need to be able to create enough of your own endorphins to get yourself out of those holes. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so medicine is awesome. If you can find the right one for you, if you can find the right one that helps your specific chemical imbalance, mm-hmm. uh, that can be great for certain people. And I love how you just described it because that makes a lot of sense, the dips and the leveling out. And if you are not giving your body what, you, what it needs, then again, medica- medication can give it what it needs for a time and let it level. I do like that. That makes sense. But then I think like that has to come with some kind of treatment. I think of like what is causing the overall illness, obviously. Right. Yeah. But, you know, and I think it could be physical in your brain. And it most of the time is coupled though. It goes hand in hand with core beliefs, which is why the talk, I believe so strong in talk therapy for me anyway, because I believe a lot of my anxiety comes from what I've felt like, because again, in my, in our mental health episode, we talked about how I always been, I always thought of myself and was told that I was so healthy and so strong and so capable physically. So I always felt like any conclusion my brain came to or any feeling I was feeling was warranted because I'm physically fit and, and you know what I mean? So the physical health was hard for me to differentiate from the soul health and the brain health. And so I think the core beliefs that I was telling myself to believe I felt were logical and made sense like you know you have to be happy or, or always achieve you know just these things that I think back now and I think when I think of Anthony Bourdain and Kate Spade like these core beliefs that they just must have had to think that they were going to lose something so great that they're that to leave their kid over you know what I mean or that they were experiencing pain so great like, what could they possibly believe? And then that takes me back to what I quoted last week in the episode about Michelle Couchat when she said that tree metaphor where she's basically like, I think we have to teach whether it's spirituality or not. I, I kept thinking about this where she said, you know, a tree, the secret of a tree is that its roots grounds itself to something bigger, that when a strong wind comes or an episode of anxiety comes, it won't knock the tree down. It's grounded to something else bigger than itself, not what social media tells us, which is, you know, acclaim or likes or followers or outward appearance or boyfriend or job or achievements or all these things that you could lose or even happy persona, right? Like I feel like this outwardly inspirational, happy persona, you could lose that in an instant. You could, you could, a family member could die. You could, it just like grief could hit you where you can't get to that level. But we think like, if that's the persona we could be like, that's what we need to hold. But that's, it's grounding ourselves to something that's so fleeting. A relationship is grounding or something to so, that is so fleeting, like anything like that. So I feel like when I think about Anthony Bourdain and and Kate Spade and the decision they decided to make that they must have, like, we need to work on grounding ourselves to something more. And I, and then I think, well, what is that something more, right? Like then, is it God? Is it, you know, what is something that we really can't lose? We can even lose our life. Like even we could get terminally ill tomorrow. Like even that's not something enough to ground yourself to like the circumstances of your life, you know, or hashtag blessed or my life's greater. It's not enough to ground ourselves to. I just think that all the time. Then what is, you know, what, what is it that we need to ground ourselves to then? It's just a uh, rhetorical question, but yeah, it's a tough one. It's a big one. Yeah, and gotta, I think, yeah. Go ahead. Well, I think that it's, one of those questions, I think why 
is one of those questions that we can just ask ourselves forever. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when it comes to like, why did other people do things? Mm-hmm. It's been on my, I just been trying to come to any conclusion to understand it. It's just been on my mind. I don't think we'll ever will. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't think we ever will. I don't think we'll ever know. And I don't think it's, I think it's one of those things that is hard to try to have, like, have a conversation around and figure out because, I mean, just talking now, we know our own, the things that we have in our own head are right. so complicated and so fraught with so many emotions and yeah. and decisions and whatnot you know i liked what you said earlier about getting to a place where you can't imagine having to ride one of these waves again mm-hmm. and and the emotional pain that exists with battling a mental illness for years and years and years mm-hmm. um and and i don't know what it what it is for the the baby boomer generation that's now coming into retirement that hasn't really dealt mm-hmm. with their mental illnesses their whole lives like mm-hmm. um we're trying to do like we're trying to come to terms with now in our on our early adult stages and i don't know if we can i don't know if we can ask them i don't know we've talked uh, a few times on this show about like do the older generations have the the terminology to talk about these things do they have the language do they have the vocabulary and i i don't know i wish i knew i wish we could stop this from happening yeah i want i mean the two the two baby boomers in my life that i have the most exposure to hence experience to obviously are my parents and not to bless them on my podcast but they both are mentally ill like you know they both struggle with issues of anxiety that after being from there into therapy for so long I can clearly identify and say you know hello hello but like you're saying it there's no vocabulary and I, I recognize that but there's also no belief or will because they culturally do not believe that it will help them or they culturally don't understand how it could help them and then it makes it it folds back over onto the illness because it makes them feel like they're self-righteous in what they believe or how they act you know so I firsthand I've seen it from my parents but aside from the language like I can't even express that they should go and have them take it seriously like there's there's a a level in their brain where they 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 just don't grasp the scope you know i do i know i know exactly what you're talking about and then there's that um i i my mom 20 years ago would have been the exact same way my mom now is like oh well i'm just too old for that Mm. and that is just it's ridiculous on so many levels that I don't even yeah. know where to start, but right. it's the same thing of like, my mom knows like, oh yeah, I have anxiety of like, oh no, that, you know, I, I don't want to go into the city. The city is scary. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know. And the older they get, 
the more unfamiliar the age and the bot and how their body's acting becomes. And I feel, well, for my mother, she's, it's becoming the paranoia levels escalating because she is also not just dealing with stuff she's always been afraid of, but now stuff happening to her that she can't control. Right. And yeah. I just, I, I want us to continue having these conversations because they're hard and they're necessary and who else is going to be having them? Yeah. We might not be saying the right things. We might right. not be saying the perfect things, but we're trying. We're not bottling it in. I think going forward, some of the interviews we're going to have over the summer, we'll have a lot more of these conversations go on, especially in After Chatter, because I think it's a lot easier to open up. Um, but it's really important to talk about this stuff. Um, yeah. Because even if it's not affecting you personally, it's affecting you indirectly. Mm-hmm. If you have to wake up to the news that another awesome person has left this world because this world is too much to bear, it's yeah. affecting you. And yeah. if you listen to this podcast and we have to have another interview because it's affecting us so much that we have to talk about it, then it's affecting you too. Right. So let's come together and let's do the best that we can to talk about this stuff because man it sucks man it sucks it really sucks that's how i felt it really sucks and then because it sucks so hard you want to understand what you can do to not have it happen again but it has to be a cultural widespread thing it has right. to it's be. not just one thing it's not just oh this person has depression and they didn't take the right depression medicine. It's not just, you know, this person has depression and they didn't go see a therapist. It's, you know, a lot of stuff. And one, the world sucks. Two, there is not enough access to affordable mental health care. And three, we are not talking about this stuff enough. Mm -hmm. Because being a human is hard and isn't like the statistics of people who have mental illness like crazy like it's like yeah. almost everyone does you and know it, what it, i mean like so. everyone and if you yeah. it's not a thing that you have you're in like some people will go through a form of mental illness right their entire lives mm-hmm. but the majority of us will go through a mental illness at some point of right. our lives whether it was when you went to college for the first time, whether it was, you know, postpartum after you had your baby, whether it was, you know, your quarter life crisis, um, whether it is, you know, a persistent anxiety that comes up and revisits you once in a while. Um, it doesn't make you weak. It makes you stronger. It makes you stronger. Or to talk about it makes you stronger. And, and don't, it's just like, any other thing like that's what I just yeah when you yeah when you learn to combat the things that make you slightly different than everyone else that make the world a little bit harder for you when you learn how to make it easier for you those are your strengths and you're making it easier for someone else yes Mm mm-hmm Talk about think, it and, and yeah. make it easier for someone else. I, for me personally, Jen Gotch, I've mentioned her a bunch of times, but she's doing a great job, I think, just a great job of it because she's just like, she's doing her best to destigmatize. And she is one of these people in my mind that 
has reached this level of success that we're all like, she's tapped into her thing. She's getting acknowledged and recognition for it. And, you know, but she's struggling, but she's still functioning, but she's still a serious businesswoman in her new shirt. But I love that. And now she has the podcast, Jen Gotcha's Okay Sometimes, which is highlighting her kind of mental illness story. And I just love it. I think that's exactly, and she does it with humor and she does it with seriousness and she does it with a direct conversation that isn't the making or breaking of her. And I think that's what people feel when they expose this, that this it will break some sort of image or some sort of persona. But I think where we're headed in this, the direction we're headed is that it's, we're kind of tipping into that zone of we need to be more open with how we're feeling at any given moment. And any feeling is okay and human and good. Kind of how Erica was talking about just suffering, just it's a part of human existence and we need to talk more about how we're suffering. I think that's to help others to help ourselves. I think that's absolutely spot on. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah, no, Trending. This has been a fantastic <laughs> conversation like always. Yeah. But again, I'm sad that it, all these emotions came up because of what happened. Yeah, it's it's been happening everywhere, and it sucks yeah. that it took two. Yes, cool people, really cool people. Yeah. All right. Well, we're gonna head over to After Chatter, talk a little bit more, some more vulnerability, and we would love it if you joined us. Patreon.com/slash/craftyassfemale. Love you guys. We do. We do, and we will talk to you next week. All right. Bye-bye. Bye.